Are you ready, Lance? Yeah, let's go, man. I can't hear you. Yes, I'm ready whenever you oh, are. Oh, <laughs> who lives in Atlantis deep under the sea? Arthur Curry. Fast as the fastest of swimmers is he. Arthur Curry. If nautical action is something you wish. Arthur Curry. Then hop on a dolphin and talk to a fish. Arthur Curry. Arthur Curry. Arthur Curry. Arthur Curry. He's a clubman. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about Aquaman. We're going deep into the ocean to explore the history behind this character, and there's a lot of stuff I had no clue whatsoever about. I'm glad we finally get a chance to tackle one of the the big seven, you know, characters uh, together. I know you've talked about The Flash before. Yeah, we and did. We did Wally West for the uh, Unite the Seven crossover event that we did years ago. At this point, we did it two years yeah. ago. That's yeah. wild. Uh, but yeah, so we it's we've been doing this podcast since 2020, and this is only the second true Justice League member that we've mm-hmm. covered on the show. Uh, and and it's not like like we could do all of them. We're just we just kind of choose to spread out the the big hitters you know you gotta have those tent poles right and you gotta have you gotta kind of choose who takes center stage but obviously we did this because the second aquaman movie's coming out at the end of the dceu and we thought hey what better time to learn a little bit more about the resident master of the deep aquaman specifically arthur curry and when we're gonna get into who Arthur Curry is, his history, his comics history, and everything like that. So if you're listening for the first time, welcome to Comic Book Keepers. And uh, give us a listen and um, and let us know what you think on iTunes and all that good stuff. But let's jump into it. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Aquaman, a.k.a. Arthur Curry, is a heroic character from DC Comics created by Mort Weisinger and artist Paul Norris. He's half human and half Atlantean giving him the ability to survive on land and in water, along with powers of hydrokinesis and control over marine life. Arthur Curry is the second person to hold the mantle of Aquaman, but definitely the most well-known. He's a founding member of the Justice League of America and belongs to the royal family of Atlantis, often residing as their king. Jokes about his gentle nature and perceived weak power set have been the subject of many stand-up routines and Big Bang Theory punchlines. Mm-hmm. But over the years, DC has revamped his image, integrating the weight of a ruling kingdom, Atlantean, and family politics, and depicting him as edgy and more powerful. He's been featured in many self-titled animation and live-action adaptations, most recently portrayed by Jason Momoa in the DC Extended Universe films, making Aquaman one of the most recognized superheroes in the world. So he has a vast publication history the golden age aquaman was what we learned was not arthur curry 
from his first appearance in more fun comics. And then uh, he made some appearances in all star squadron and adventure comics where he eventually appears throughout the 1940s and fifties and early 1960s as a backup feature to the book's main star Superboy. So he never actually had a golden age Aquaman book until the silver age, which we'll get to that. So this first Aquaman that appeared occasionally uh, several, you know, uh, hundred appearances um, never actually had a name. <laughs> he, uh, and uh, he was just referred to as Aquaman. He was sort of like the golden age version of uh, Flash or uh, Green Lantern who did have names. But this one was just referred to as Aquaman. And, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the origins. In 1959, Adventure Comics number 260, written by Robert Bernstein and art by Ramona Freyden, which was her first assignment illustrating comics, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it was her first it was her first regular assignment. regular assignment. Yes, because she started a while, but regular assignment. Yeah, uh, it marked the first debut of the Atlantean human hybrid version of Aquaman known as Orin or Arthur Orin Curry. Since the 1960s, there have been eight volumes with the Aquaman title, some only lasting a few issues. In 1962, the first Aquaman solo title began, lasting 52 issues. In the 80s, he had some quick miniseries and attempted series, but it wasn't until 1991's Time and Tide, written by, written by Peter David, where he was reinvented with a new origin. Aquaman, Volume 5, by Peter David, began in 1994, which lasted 75 issues and is the longest-running Aquaman series to date. Then in 2003, after Infinite Crisis, a new series started lasting until 2007. But in 2011, when the new 52 came out, we saw the beginning of Aquaman Volume 7 by Jeff Johns, which completely changed the game for Aquaman. And we are going to get into that storyline in depth. And mm -hmm. that eventually led to the culmination of DC Rebirth. Yeah, and after Rebirth... Uh, Yet another Aquaman title came out, which ran until issue 66, another pretty good run. Um, after that, he hasn't had a regular series, but he has been featured in some team-ups, miniseries including Aquaman, Aquaman slash Green Arrow, Deep Target, Aquaman Flash, Void Song, and Aquaman Andromeda. As far as the origins, we're going to talk about <laughs> two. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Because DC Comics... Gotta love those DC origins. Yeah, it's really fun to kind of figure this out. So uh, there have been a few Aquaman, including Jackson Hyde, which is Black Manta's son, and Arthur Joseph Curry, which is Arthur Curry's son. But the first Aquaman from the Golden Age didn't have a name other than Aquaman. His father was a scientist who trained him to breathe underwater. <laughs> and then all this research about Atlantis and we don't know what his father's name was. He, he was just mentioned by Aquaman like my father taught me and he was a scientist and that's all it says. He was referred to as Aquaman and his secret identity was Mr. Waterman. Waterman. <laughs> wow. Because Golden Age comics. He could have um, just had like a normal name like Frank or Bill. Frank Waterman. Nope, it's just Mr. Waterman. <laughs> so that was Aquaman in these appearances in the Golden Age. Throughout the 50s, he still never had a name, which is, blows my mind. <laughs> I They should have turned him into a villain and just been like, I'm searching for a name. Give yeah. me a name. 
it, it, it's it's crazy to me that he never had a real name. But the Aquaman that we know is Arthur Orrin Curry, the son of Thomas Curry, a human, and Atlanta, a Atlantean. So he is an Atlantean human hybrid who can breathe on land, but also breathe underwater, which up to that point uh, never happened. So uh, he was exiled by Atlantis when he was born, and his mom took him to the shore and left on a reef and kind of asked these dolphins, like, can you take care of him and take him to his father? So he was raised by dolphins for a, a brief period of time, which is interesting. And then he was taken to his biological father, Thomas Curry, to be raised until he was old enough, you know. And due to his heritage, Aquaman discovered as a youth that he possessed various superhuman abilities, including the powers of surviving underwater, communication with sea life, and tremendous swimming prowess. Eventually, Arthur decided to use his talents to become the defender of Earth's oceans. It was later revealed that in his youth, Arthur had adventured as Aqua Boy, and on one occasion, met Superboy, Earth's only other publicly active superpowered hero at the time. When Arthur grew up, he called himself Aquaman. As one does. As one does when you are, you know, adventuring and you swim in the water. So that's interesting because it says that, you know, he used to call himself Aqua Boy, but then it shows that later it was actually Flash that gives him the name Aquaman. Like, you can't just call yourself, you know, Arthur Curry and he gives himself Aquaman. So that that's a little contradictory, but... You know, whatever. We'll we'll let it, we'll let it slide. Let's learn a little bit more about the character. So, name and aliases for Arthur Curry include King Arthur, Orin, Water Bearer, King of the Seven Seas, Dweller in the Depths, Aquatic Ace, Marine Marvel, Terra Firma, Rider of King Tide, AC, and Protector of the Deep. Powers and abilities include superhuman strength, intelligence, durability, endurance, speed, agility, and senses, marine telepathy, the ability to communicate with sea life. He does this through the clear, which is similar to how Swamp Thing uses the green. He has telepathic abilities, mind-to-mind -mind communication, mind probes, mental domination of non-aquatic minds, and mental attacks. He, wait, so he can he can do things to non-aquatic minds like he can. Yeah, I mean, it's not very strong. It's not like it's not like super mind control. But but if he concentrates enough, he has some telepathic abilities. That's wild. I have not read a story where he does that yet. I need to read more Aquaman books. Apparently, that's really interesting. He has divine empowerment. Chris, you know what divine empowerment means? I, I read that and I think it's he has a connection with like Neptune and Poseidon, uh, like that kind of stuff. OK, very cool. If you're meant to be a ruler of Atlantis, you have some sort of connection to the gods. Weather manipulation and electricity manipulation via the trident, hydrokinesis, magic as a dweller of the depths, aquatic adaptation, master strategist, tactician and field commander, as well as teleportation to anywhere with an existing water source, which I have mm -hmm. not seen in a storyline. Have you read a story with this ability that he uses? I ha I haven't read that, although I did read something else that said that he had some abilities to kind of travel. And I'm wondering if that sort of is the clear thing where it's saying like he can kind of 
make himself sort of appear to be there, but maybe not like physically be there. So I don't know about that one. If anybody else knows, like, let us know. Yeah, I have not read that one. Like, I, I that that seems really powerful. Like, like, yeah, teleportation it, through a boom tube. That, like, that's that's like that's like an Iceman ability. Like when Iceman became OP in comics, he could legitimately teleport to anywhere where there is a water source. It doesn't make any sense for Aquaman to be able to do it. I do think that kind of the boom tube aspect kind of makes sense. If you were to make it like one of those channels, like an aquatic channel, like it just, the water moves so fast, he can get to other places very, very quickly. But I don't know about this teleportation thing. The internet might be lying to us, but. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I will say another skill that he has is uh, he is an expert uh, diplomat. He is often like representing Atlantis in front of like councils and everything like that. So his negotiation skills as a leader of this, you know, nation essentially is uh, very, very skilled. You know, he's a good debater. How how kingly. Mm -hmm. His weakness is. Lack of water. He has to come in contact with water at least once an hour or else he can become extremely weak. He's usually in the possession of the Trident of Neptune, although he has had other weapons such as the Trident of Poseidon, a Black Lantern Ring when he was dead, a cybernetic harpoon hand, good times, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, it's great, and the Water Bearer Hand, which had various magical abilities like healing, farsight, negation of magic, retrocognition past visions molecular manipulation and independent movement when separated affiliations for aquaman include justice league justice league international the aquaman family the atlantean royal family justice society international the others justice league europe the white lantern corps the all-star squadron and justice league task force supporting characters include mara his wife Tempest, or formerly known as Aqualad, Garth. Aqualad, Jackson Hyde, who is now known as Aquaman, he's sharing the title with. And a few other Aqualads, which we'll just kind of say like anyone who's named Aqualad is probably going to come into contact with Aquaman. Aqua Girl, of which there have also been Numerous. several, but we're going to say Tula is going to be the, na- the main one. Uh, Stephen Shin, who is a scientist. Atlanta. That's not Atlanta. It's Atlanta, Atlanta, who is his mother. She lived in Atlanta, Georgia for a little bit. (laughs) The the trickily named, and I had to read this a few times, Porm. With an M, people. With an M. Porm, who is a dolphin and the surrogate mother for Aquaman. That's hilarious. (laughs) Thomas Curry, his human father. Nuitus Volko who is the sort of person who trained him. He was played by Willem Dafoe in the movie. But that's Volko dolphin, not a dolphin, but there was a female character named dolphin. And it was a, she was a romantic interest, but also kind of like not, not quite aqua girl, but she had white hair and had cutoffs for some reason. And um, yeah, that was during the nineties. She met him at Woodstock. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely been a, a girl named dolphin at Woodstock. Yeah, I'm sure. Erica Watson, who was a human friend from childhood. And I thought that was interesting because it kind of like, hey, I'm I knew him when he was kind of just Arthur Curry. So, yeah, that that's interesting. And then he's had several 
animal friends, let's say, like just a, a, associates. Uh, his most famous are Topo, who is an octopus, who I saw. Okay, who I saw a toy today. I went with my son shopping and we saw an Aquaman toy for the upcoming movie. And it's Aquaman and there's Topo and it re- references him. It's a little octopus. That's amazing. So he's, it might be in the movie. I don't think he's going to be little in the movie. I think we're going to see a Kraken-sized Topo. And then Storm, who is his seahorse, his giant seahorse from the animated series. And also several Justice League members. You know, he's always teaming up with different Justice League members, especially Wonder Woman and Martian Manhunter uh, with the ones that he has the most connection with because they've kind of come from an outsider aspect. So those are the ones he kind of has a good connection with. Antagonists include Black Manta, Ocean Master, King Shark, Fisherman, Siren, The Trench, Narius, who is Mera's former king that she was betrothed to. So, you know, there's going to be some drama, drama there. Geminray, Charybdis, Triton, Scavenger, Kordax, The Thirst, Thanatos, The Dead King, Coram Wrath. And the eel. It should also be noted that Mera, for a brief time in the 90s, was also a villain. I think all these villains that end up being best friends or love interests. She was thought to be dead and she came back evil. Originally, Mera was sent to assassinate him, but then she fell for him. And, and then I think at some point she supposedly died, lost her memory, came back, tried to kill him, but then remembered her memory. And she was like, oh, OK, you're, you're good. Uh, because comics <laughs> because comics well i think it's about time then we go into the archives for this into the archives when we were initially doing our research i did the research for the creators who made the first aquaman so this is the golden age creators of aquaman mm-hmm. not necessarily the creators that introduced us to Arthur Curry's version. So again, yes. that's going to be Robert Bernstein and Ramona Freyden. They have, they also have other comic creations. So we are going to make it a point to do those characters in the future. So we can really truly do a deep dive for them. Ramona Freyden seems like she had had a, an incredible career and uh, we, I really want to know more about her. So we will definitely be doing a metamorpho episode in the future Mm -hmm. because she co-created metamorpho that's so cool yeah Uh, shout out to them but these are the creators of aquaman just aquaman like just no aquaman Aquaman, (laughs) aka mr waterman (laughs) (laughs) so so again co-created by mort weisinger and paul norris mort weisinger was introduced to science fiction at the age of 12 after exposure to the fanzine Amazing Stories, which featured tales of Buck Rogers and the Skylark of space. Within two years, Weisinger was an active participant in science fiction fan clubs and fanzines. He even hosted a science fiction fan club meeting for the Scienceers, which was attended by future DC editor Julius Schwartz. The pair plus... Yeah, good, good meetings. The pair... Plus, Alan Glasser would team up with professional editor Forrest J. Ackerman and found the science fiction fanzine The Time Traveler. And he was still in high school at this point in time, too, by the way. He was 17 when he founded this fanzine. And just as a side note, so the person that they had come in to be the 
like their professional editor. So Ackerman has a crazy career in addition to being an editor, co-creator of Vampirella. He would write science fiction stories, but he was also the literary agent for Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov, and L. Ron Hubbard. Wow. (laughs) Good gigs. Yeah. Uh, Weisinger went on to study at NYU, serving as the college's newspaper and magazine editor. Along with Schwartz, the duo sold their first story to Amazing Stories, The Price of Peace. Weisinger and Schwartz noticed a need in the market for literary agents within the science fiction, horror, and fantasy market, serving as communicators between publishers, editors, and creators to fast-track stories. Because what was happening is creators were just developing stories, sending those stories into publishers, getting notes back, and then if they were approved or not, or they would get sent over to another company to do other things. So Weisinger and Schwartz basically were like, this is slowing down this process. Let's be the middlemen, get the information from the publishers to know what they want, and then tell that to the creators. Creators make it, and then we basically get to take a percentage because we're serving as the agents. Uh, and, And this agency they developed was called Solar Sales Service. Now you might think, what lesser known creators would join such an agency, right? How about Ray Bradbury and H.P. Lovecraft? Oh, gosh. (laughs) What in the world is happening? (laughs) Schwartz kept the agency going until the 1940s, but Weisinger moved on to the standard magazine chain, in charge of no fewer than 40 different titles with the publisher. In 1941, he switched gears from standard magazines to national periodicals, DC Comics' predecessor, primarily serving as editor for Superman and Batman titles. He was, however, tasked with, quote, dreaming up new characters, which resulted in his co-creator status for the original Vigilante, a Western theme hero, speedster Johnny Quick, appearing in Morphung Comics 71, and Green Arrow and Aquaman, both debuting in Morphung Comics 73 in 1941, which, before this episode, did not realize they both debuted in the same exact comic, so I looked it up, very, very expensive. Chris, it's so expensive. I believe it. I mean, that's that's two for the price of one. You're, that's, that's, that's a big one. And I looked up, like, just issue 74 of More and Fun Comics, so the second appearance of Aquaman. That book also goes for thousands. But Ooh. when I looked up 73, starting asking prices were like $128,000, $200,000. It was wild. So... If you happen to collect those books, congratulations, you have lots of money. Now, moving on to Paul Leroy Norris. He had a love for drawing at a very early age. He served as the art director of The Warrior, his college yearbook at Midland Lutheran College in Fremont, Nebraska. He left Midland after two years to pursue a career as a comic strip cartoonist because his cousin Myron worked in radio in Chicago and had written a script for a comic strip called Hobo Cupboard. He sold it to a syndicate in Ohio for which Norris would illustrate the series. As was customary for the time, six weeks of the strip was needed in advance prior to publication. But sadly, before Norris could finish the work, the syndicate folded and Norris was out of work as well as being a college dropout. Uh, That's the worst. That's rough. (laughs) Now, he... Back on his feet quickly, Norris landed a job uh, for an electric motor assembly plant in Dayton, Ohio, where he also enrolled at Dayton Art Institute. He went on to become an illustrator and cartoonist for the Dayton Daily News. 
1940, Norris moved to New York City and created the features Power Nelson Future Man and Yank and Doodle for the comic book publisher <laughs> Prize Publications. Yank and Doodle, don't know if that's going to get through uh, editors nowadays. Very patriotic, though. It is very patriotic. Norris's first confirmed credit for National Comics, DC's predecessor, was The Sandman at Sea, starring DC's original Sandman in Adventure Comics 65 in August of 1941. Hmm. It was at this time that Norris teamed up with writer Mort Weisinger to revamp Sandman into superhero attire and introduce his sidekick, Sandy the Golden Boy, in issue 69. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. Very soon after, Norris and Weisinger created one of the most well-known and iconic pillars of modern DC continuity, Aquaman. In an eight-page story, The Submarine Strikes, found in Morphun Comics 73 in November of 1941. Now, this next part kind of broke my heart. Sadly and unknowingly, Norris had signed an exclusive contract with the newspaper PM as he began illustrating their strip Vic Jordan that same year, and was forced to give up the Aquaman feature. So this guy just created one of the yep. founding members of the Justice League that would he go did. on and, and make a billion dollars the box office adaptation, and yes. he gave it up for some comic strip that he was contractually... Oh, boy. That's brutal. Yep, never heard of Vic Jordan. Nope. Sad times. But, you know, legacy lives on. We're talking about him here. Yeah. Shout out to Paul Norris. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. For drawing that uh, first version of Aquaman. Yeah. That's brutal. And thank you. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. All right, Chris. Let's get into the poll list, the reading suggestions. We have a lot of good ones. I've talked too much. It's time for you to talk. (laughs) For sure. Well, of course, with such a profound run in the New 52, I think we both have some Aquaman from Jeff Johns. We do. Um, And mine takes place a little bit past yours, but it's the Throne of Atlantis storyline. So written by Jeff Johns, art by Pete Woods, Paul Pelletier, and Ivan Reese in 2011. That's not the first storyline that's in the New 52 Aquaman but it's, um, I think, the third major one, but it definitely like has some things that set it up before that. But I just like that it brings in a lot of stuff from the Justice League, of him working with um, the Justice League to take on Ocean Master and uh, setting up Ocean Master as this formidable foe and the Justice League battling not just the armies of Atlantis, but also the Trench, which is unleashed by another sort of mystery figure which I won't spoil it, but just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a nice kind of re-envisioning of all these different elements of Aquaman's history and, and uh, characters and things like that. And it shows Aquaman really stepping up to his role as King of Atlantis, which he isn't in the new 52. He sort of denied that. And, and ocean master is, is in charge of Atlantis and, and he's like kind of reluctant. And that by the end, he's like, yes, I am your King. And he's, this is really cool kind of epic fight in, in I think it's in Gotham uh, when when they're making their stand and like a lot of cities like Boston and Gotham and and everything like that are being flooded and they're trying to you know push back all these armies and everything and it's it's pretty cool pretty epic fight scenes um you know setting up 
the the Justice League uh, New Fifty Two and everything. But um, yeah, really, really cool stuff. I I, I really liked reading that storyline. The artwork is is great. New Fifty Two is stellar, which is why I also have a story from that one, and it is the beginning of. Aquaman's New 52 run. So this is Aquaman The Trench, which came out in 2011, written by Jeff Johns, art by Ivan Reese, uh, inked by Joe Prado, colors by Rod Reese, and letters by Nick J. Napolitano. This is really a complete revamp of the character. And it holds a special place in my heart because this was one of the first trade paperbacks that my college roommate gave me when I, he found out that I enjoyed comics, but I wasn't actively reading them. Like I enjoyed the cartoon shows, the movies, everything, <laughs> but I was not reading comics at the time. Uh, yeah. And he is to blame for the massive amount of money I've spent on comic books now. And the same way, <laughs> the same way regular guest Jeremy is to me, <clears throat> I am for this other person. So the, yeah. the love hate relationship there. With this version of Aquaman, it does a phenomenal job taking all of those jokes and concepts behind the character and throwing it into the dialogue of the story to where Aquaman has incredible strength that explains why he's living in the ocean. There's so much pressure, so you know why he is so strong. And he goes into a diner and he orders fish and people are like, you can't eat fish. You talk to fish. He's like, I don't talk to fish. There's so many fun jokes throughout the storyline, but it gives you this really powerful story of why this is not a character that should be joked about because he is so formidable. And it completely changed my view of Aquaman because I thought this character was an absolute joke. Uh, the things I remembered as a kid was watching Super Friends and him riding a seahorse and just being so silly of a character. And no one wants to be Aquaman when you're playing with your friends. And this the storyline completely changes that. And I, I cannot recommend this book enough. So Aquaman, The Trench, really, if you want to read the entire Jeff Johns run of Aquaman, you will be doing yourself a favor because it is super, super fun read. My second one is actually a recent miniseries, which is 2022. It's called Aquaman. It's written by Chuck Brown and Brandon Thomas, an art by Sam Basri and colors by Adriano Lucas. This one, I think, is probably my favorite, which out of the 60 years of Aquaman, I was kind of surprised. I was like, maybe some there's some really old stuff that's great. <laughs> but, you know, I think from doing this podcast and kind of zooming out a little bit, I'm really excited to find stuff that's more recent. That's actually really good because, you know, it, it's kind of heartbreaking if it's like, oh, the original version of this. And then it's just kind of gotten bad. Like, I like that characters can get better and better with writers tackling them and artists tackling them and stuff. So this was actually something I really enjoyed. Um, it's, it's really fun. It's almost like a family team book. It's, it's kind of got that bat family dynamic almost, but not as dark and broody as, as a bat family kind of story, but, but it's, you know, the, it's the aqua family, right? So the, the storyline is normal humans just start speaking Atlantean and then kind of waking up like sleeper agents and carrying out terrorist acts. And Aquaman and Jackson Hyde, who's also Aquaman, he's kind of his protege, and also Black Manta, who has been a villain, but he's working with Aquaman in the story, are all working together to uncover some of these sleeper agents on the surface world. Really amazing art. Uh, by Sam Basri, 
uh, really fun dynamic, um, which is good uh, for for DC and it kind of drew me in as well. And really great drama with some great family dynamics and a high stakes story. It, of course, features Mara and Garth and Tula and even Andy, who is Arthur and Mara's daughter. Um, a little baby who has some fun, fun moments when they're having like a little family meeting and they're all standing in a circle and, and Aquaman's like, okay, do this, do this. Uh, 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 Andy, Black Manta does not want to play with you right now. <laughs> she's just like reaching for She's like, red, red, <laughs> like reaching for Black Manta. Uh, it's really cute. Um, this really feels like a fun story that they captured this fractured but fun functional team and it has a new spin on Aquaman's place in the world sadly it was only six issues and then it wrapped up but it was really well done i think it's it's a really fun read and i hope that they revisit the aquaman sort of dynamic of of um, jackson and and uh, arthur curry working together and i liked seeing black manta as this kind of reluctant like okay i'll help you because they still bicker a lot and they like i don't trust you fish guy and you know but um there's a reason because because jackson is black manta's son so there's this kind of i need to make sure you're taking care of my son kind of thing which is really fun yeah i absolutely want to read this storyline it it sounds like a blast jackson hyde is a great character too yeah uh my final recommendation is also from 2022 and it's from the dc black label line which is aquaman andromeda so this was written by rom v art by christian ward Letters by Aditya Bidikar. It is honestly a, a story that has Aquaman on the periphery. It really mm-hmm. centers around this crew of ocean explorers that have been tasked with a secret mission to check out this vessel which has fallen from the stars. And it landed in the ocean and they were brought out secretly by the government. So this is like a black ops mission. And they start to uncover what in the world this vessel is and the secrets about the origins of Atlantis start coming into the story. It's really interesting, but again, like Aquaman is there, but he's far more of a myth and legend than being known as a a hero among the people. Like certain groups of people know him, but this crew is like, you're real. Like they, it's a, 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 a grizzled, <laughs> It's yeah. a very much older, grizzled Aquaman. The character design is phenomenal. Christian Ward absolutely crushed this. It it really feels like the ocean is growing, like ocean life is growing on Aquaman. He feels very ethereal. And yeah, it's such an interesting story. It's only three issues, so very quick read, but strongly recommend this one too. It's a different type of Aquaman story, but I think with this range of stories that we provided you can get like a really good picture of of how aquaman has evolved over time that reminds me of when we talked about namor and, and there's that story called the depths which is sort of like a marvel knights it's just horror. Uh, al- alternate it's like horror and, and namor's kind of not really he's just sort of seen in in the background swimming by and like he's kind of seen he doesn't talk much he's just sort of like ah. <laughs> but um yeah that sounds sounds really awesome like i like the idea of aquaman is so is um is black label kind of like adult or what what what's yeah. black label I, I haven't heard um, much about it imagine black label being like vertigo now 
It's oh, like okay. they can be they can be more adult with black label. So there's cursing, things aren't bleeped out. Okay. They can be more hyper violent, things like that. But okay. there's a lot of good black label books. Older like Wonder audience. Woman Dead Earth. Wonder Woman Dead Earth is a black <clears throat> label book. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. I didn't know that. It, yeah. And the funny thing is, is we've over time changed it to where we only give one reading recommendation per like each in an episode. So the fact mm-hmm. that each of us gave two for Aquaman, I feel like says a lot for the character. Yeah, there's so much to choose from. I I, I actually read more. I read um, a big chunk, like 20 issues of Peter David's 90s run. And in good conscience, I couldn't recommend it because it was a little cringy, like it's kind of dated. Like there's some important stuff that happens and I love the hook hand and everything, but it was like, you know, like, there's some kind of sexist stuff. And like, I don't know, you know, like that was that was cringy. And like some of the older, older stuff I read and it was like, eh, you know, you know, it just felt very, I don't know. It dated. Just, yeah, it was dated. It was it was just kind of bland and it was it was very like oh no there's you're taking mara what are you going to do i better go back to tell the council and it just it's hard to read stuff like that sometimes and even 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 more so than um i don't know like than some of the stuff from that we've done from marvel where it's like you know at least it's kind of of the times but some of the early aquaman stuff i was reading was just like i don't know if i can recommend this but like yeah having that having the uh, Jeff Johns new 52 I think that's a good one for like new readers because it it encompasses a lot of just like who Aquaman is without having to know a lot of who he was in the past and then some of those stories like Andromeda or or uh, Aquaman are really fun like following up it's like okay well now you know some of these other characters and you can kind of get into some just really good storytelling well Let's move over to our Grail find segment. Chris, I'm assuming you do not have an Aquaman Grail. Uh, you know, not for lack of wishing I did, but um, I don't have, I think I have maybe some appearances in some Justice League books. Again, I'm not the collector, so <laughs> I'm going to rely on you to have an amazing Aquaman uh, Grail. So what do, what do you have? Our patrons will know this earlier that I picked this book up recently and Mm -hmm. I love it. It is Aquaman issue 35 from 1967. This is the first appearance of Black Manta. It is a book that I had been wanting ever since we covered this character way back when. And I found it for an incredible price. And even though it's the first appearance of Black Manta, obviously it's a super early copy of the Aquaman solo run. So from 1967... And I, I love it. I am very excited to have it in my collection. But uh, Chris, there's there's not much else to say about that. So I, I kind of want to hear some random facts. Yes, random facts. Okay, a lot of stuff to talk about. So Aquaman is interesting because you know how a lot of heroes will have secret layers or they'll have like their, you know, Superman has the Fortress of Solitude, Batman has the Batcave. Aquaman likes to kick it in a wrecked fishing boat like that was his before he hangs out in Atlantis. He's just like, I like to chill out. I I get a little anxiety. I'm going to go hang out in this old wrecked boat. And that was his thing for a long time. He would just kind of go. And I respect that. Like, I like that. He just kind of has this little quiet space that he goes to. (laughs) And he's been known to like just hang out in a an old uh, shipwreck, which is which is fun. Um, he has been shown to swim 
10,000 feet per second or 6,816 miles per hour. Jeez. That's pretty fast. Like maybe he just swims really fast (laughs) and that's how he gets there. His first sidekick was Topo, the pet octopus, which we mentioned, and he was raised by dolphins. Uh, His blonde hair was considered a curse in Atlantean culture. And for that reason, baby Arthur was abandoned on a reef before being raised by said dolphins. In the late 60s animated cartoon, he rode on a horse-sized seahorse named Storm. Uh, Storm has also shown up in the comics, and it's been confirmed that he'll probably show up by name in Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Aquaman was initially partially based on timely comics Namor, who was already created before him in 1939. You know, some people might be surprised at that, like Namor came first, but in the 1996 Marvel versus DC crossover... I know how you like crossovers. Aquaman battled Namor and an audience vote determined the outcome. The winner, Aquaman, who smashed Namor with a whale. (laughs) Gotta love it. If everyone out there, if if you have not read the Marvel versus DC crossover, it's so good. It's unbelievably good. We just talked about Lobo versus Wolverine, you know, and and that same thing. Like there's some great matchups. Very silly. But yeah, there you go. Poseidon blinded Aquaman at one point because Aquaman wouldn't pray to him. This only lasted one issue. Don't mess with the gods. During a team up with Wonder Woman and being tangled in the lasso of truth, he confessed to wanting to be with her, even though he found her annoying. (laughs) (laughs) That's a terrible thing to be truthful about. Don't don't tell Wonder Woman that you're annoying, but you want to hook up with her. (laughs) Aquaman traditionally and mostly has worn the orange scaled top with green pants and green boots and gloves. Although in the Golden Age version, he wore yellow gloves. That's one way you can tell it's a Golden Age appearance. In the 80s, he had a costume change in one of his uh, new uh, self-titled books to a blue wave camo design wetsuit. It looked like something a SeaWorld performer would wear. Uh, This did not last very long and did not stick around. Uh, but, but we're, was we're the... seeing that in the movie, though. There's part of the trailer. Yeah, kind of. Like yeah. A yeah. Blue suit. It's a camo suit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like black and blue. But this one was like big, big, iconic waves going across. It's yeah. The, 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 the movie one is a lot better for sure. Um, in the 90s, he lost the orange top and gained long blonde hair and a beard and wore a harness around his right arm for some reason he just you know it's the 90s it's you gotta have a bunch of like rivets along your arm and pouches and belt loops and some pouches and there was definitely some pouches and things like that uh where am i um oh arthur curry and mara's relationship is a classic romance for comics they were married in aquaman number 18 in 1964 and making it the first superhero wedding in comics when all the other heroes were just dating and oh you know I have a girlfriend and that sort of thing. So I thought that was kind of fun. Now, I I read that and I was like, well, wait, what about um, Sue Storm and Reed Richards? Right. You'd think they were married, but they weren't married right away. Interesting. Yeah, I I didn't know this one. That's really interesting. So um, we'll we'll have to kind of maybe when we talk about the Fantastic Four, we'll we'll double check that. But according to my source, they were the first superhero wedding in comics. 
Rebirth, their relationship is a constant in DC's canon. This is pretty remarkable since Mera was an assassin originally sent to kill Aquaman, but realizing he's not such a bad guy and ended up falling in love with him. So good for the power of love. (laughs) Aquaman's hand was eaten by piranhas in the 90s, tricked by a trap by the villain, tricked into a trap by the villain Charybdis, who put Aquaman's hand into a pool of man-eating piranhas. Aquaman's left hand was replaced by a pretty cool-looking harpoon, which was later upgraded to a cybernetic harpoon that responded to his thoughts. This lasted for most of the 90s until the end of the War at Worlds storyline. You know what's even more 90s than pouches and belt loops? Uh Uh-huh. Making everything cybernetic. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And and it was a uh, grappling hook harpoon gun. He would, like, shoot it out and you, like, pull it back, kind of like... Kratos got a horse stuff. Get over here. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. At one point in the early 2000s, Aquaman went missing from the JLA. And when the Justice League found him, he was imprisoned in the past by an evil sorceress as a water wraith. So the heroes, including Zatanna and Hawkman, found him and freed him, get his body back. But the Atlanteans were also imprisoned for 15 years in the past. And the people didn't like that, and they banished him from Atlantis. He was renewed later after that by the Lady of the Lake of Arthurian legend, who upgraded him to a magical hand made of water, and that's how he got the name the Water Bearer. Following the Infinite Crisis story, Aquaman was missing for a year. He keeps on going missing. (laughs) People do not want him around for very long in comics. (laughs) Well, the ocean's a big place, you know. Um, it is two thirds of the world after all. <laughs> so, but, uh, so Aquaman went missing for a year, but someone showed up claiming to be Arthur Curry, but this Arthur Curry was taken under the wing of the dweller of the depths who resembled a squid creature with some human qualities. It turned out that the, the, the dweller, the, 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 it turned <laughs> out that <laughs> it turned out that the dweller was Orin, the original Aquaman who turned into a monster when asking the gods to help save his people, but they punished him because that's what gods do. So this original Aquaman was killed eventually after, uh, and the new Arthur Curry took up the mantle. This is very confusing. I had to read it several times to try to make (laughs) sense of it, but essentially that original Aquaman was killed off. And then when they did blackest night, which was the big DC crossover that Arthur Curry was brought back, resurrected um, with the white lanterns and everything, complete with a new hand. So he was so the original Arthur Curry came back, not as a tentacle monster, but just as Arthur Curry, you know, because that's what they can do. And he was brought back normal and he didn't have a missing hand. Uh, the A symbol on his belt isn't an A. This is this is very like you know, man of steel. It's like, it's not an A. It's actually Atlantean guttural sound for. Ah. That's what that that's how I read. that. <sighs> OK, gotcha. Can you read this next one? Yeah. In 2002, DC did the Stanley reimagines and he did all of the major DC characters. Now, this iteration of Aquaman is Raymond Raymond, because you have to have alliteration if you're Stanley. Yeah. 
He's a, a marine biologist experimenting with dolphin DNA to see if humans <laughs> can live underwater, and he decides to use himself as a test subject. Oh he gosh. swims through a glowing patch of seawater because, of course, why would you not swim through a glowing patch of seawater? And he finds that he can now transform into a being of living water. This version was co-created with Scott McDaniel. Such a Stan Lee creation. No, he goes through the water and turns into a being of water. He's a real Aquaman. <laughs> He's an Aquaman. He's made of Aqua. <laughs> Alternate versions of Aquaman include the Flashpoint version where Aquaman and the Atlanteans are at war with the Amazons after Wonder Woman kills Mera when Mera walks in on Wonder Woman and Arthur hooking up. So, yeah, you know. That that death is brutal. And, yeah, and uh, he's he's real like mean and gruff and like militaristic in that in the Flashpoint. On Earth Eleven, Ariel Curry is known as Aqua Woman, Queen of Atlantis, and member of the Justice Guild. Another female version of Aquaman and Earth Two, Marilla, is uh, is also known as Aqua Woman, but with powers much closer to Mara's than Arthur's, and with a much more serious personality. Earth 32, he's combined with Barry Allen as Aqua Flash. And this I, I, I included a picture which has uh, at, the, uh, at the bottom of our note, which has all these like merged heroes. It's really interesting, like Superman and Martian Manhunter merged together. Oh, and, this is sick. Uh, Hawkgirl and Wonder Woman. I want to find this Earth 32 version. It's it's really neat of the Justice. Yeah, I am reading this for sure. Thank you for that. And uh, remember, we talked about in Lobo, uh, the one million storylines that, that, that DC did. So like the one millionth issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aquaman, one million. He's sort of more Atlantean. Uh, he's still around. He has blue skinned gills and and elemental water hair. So maybe they took a little nod from the Stan Lee stuff and brought in. And then, of course, there is the evil earth three version of aquaman known as sea king who is part of the crime syndicate and uh he looks pretty mad and don't mess with the sea king that's the random facts i got lots of random facts so many ra- of course for a character like aquaman you need a lot of random facts yes you're right i am a half-breed mongrel but i did not come here because i thought it was worthy I know I'm not. You understand me. I do. No mortal has conversed with me since King Atlan. Who are you? I'm nobody. I came because I had no choice. I came to save my home. And the people that I loved. I came because the Trident is their only hope. And if that's not good enough, then screw you. So let's move over to adaptations. And for me, the first adaptation, the first iteration I ever saw Aquaman with was Super Friends. Mm -hmm. So, like... As a kid from the 90s, Same. like I, I would watch reruns of mm-hmm. Super Friends constantly. I loved it. And again, I thought Aquaman was the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> he was, but at the same time, 
there's something very endearing about like how noble and like and when you think about it like being able to control and summon any aquatic beast of like hey i I need help from a whale i need help from a walrus i need help from a shark (laughs) like like okay i mean you know he's not gonna go on every mission (laughs) i just see him kind of being like is it in the water (laughs) is it is it near a lake like uh, do you need my help (laughs) no no we're good but you know that's i think where a lot of the jokes came from but um like it's a sad thing that it's a sad thing that kid version of me thought that one of the wonder twins that one of them could just turn into like a pail of water was cooler than Aquaman. Well, changing into anything is, is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, super friends ran from 1972 to 1985 and he was a main character in the, the, the whole run. Uh, The one little interesting thing I found out about that was he was often paired up with wonder woman and, and some of the, Adventures that they went on, which le- led fans of the show to believe there might have been a romance between the Amazon princess and the Atlantean king. Now, it's a cartoon. Of course, they're not going to get into that in in an 80s, late 70s, 80s version of this. But yeah, it's super friends. Um, there was, however, Lance, a cartoon that ran from 1967 to 1970, which was called the Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure. And this was from Filmation Animation Studios. And so the first half was often Superboy or Superman adventures. And then Aquaman had a half an hour adventures. And there were 36 30 minute episodes were produced. And it featured Aquaman, Aqualad, Mera, the Seahorse Storm, and Aqualad Seahorse Imp. And he also had a pet walrus named Tusky. Tusky the walrus. Yeah, of course he did. Yes, Aquaman just riding the coattails of Superman, Superboy, I mean, just having the features in go. the back of the book, got the same animated special. I mean, yeah. whatever works for you. Uh, probably the most iconic and probably well-received animated adaptation is going to be Justice League and Justice mm-hmm. League Unlimited. This, this, Both of these shows are peak animation for DC yeah. in my opinion of course. in my opinion i absolutely loved both of them the just the really cool interpretations of the character and this was where you got to see aquaman lose yeah. his hand and get the hook and just become this not, really epic not the character super friends aquaman and and he was not in the justice league no. proper like he he was not part of the 7 when we finally saw the episode with aquaman and he had this long hair and it, and it's interesting that he was is based on the '90s version, which was eh, you know it's okay, but like, but the Justice League the the Justice League in JLU version was so cool, and he was so like uh, you know, and I was like, wow, this is this is a cool version of Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, really, really awesome. Pretty sweet. Yeah, I'll let you talk about the next one. on. OK, uh, I, I had to th- throw in a shout out to at least just the mention. And this isn't really like even an adaptation, but I like that they I think it was an interesting kind of early nod, which is in the show, the HBO show Entourage. And anybody that's watched Entourage know what I'm talking about. So in Entourage, the main character, 
in, in events before the show's continuity, he was cast as Aquaman in a movie that was fictionally directed by James Cameron. And that's how this guy is really famous. So it's a kind of fictional star and his entourage that hangs out with him and everything like that. And that's and the show is kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, I mean, it's 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 very broy, but <laughs> but it it's interesting bro-y. because it kind of it's a big commentary about like how Hollywood works and everything. And there's even a whole thing about like, oh, is he going to do the second the second Aquaman and he ends up not doing it and they recast it and it becomes a multi-million dollar hit and whatever. But um, it's just funny because like, oh, an Aquaman movie? Like that's the joke in the show is that they make this huge Aquaman movie and James Cameron directed and he's like, it, you see James Cameron in the show and he's like, yeah, I really want to take Aquaman. You know, he's really just like interested in like doing all the underwater photography and you see little clips of it here and there, like in the show, like they show yeah clips and posters and stuff it's really funny and then it's just funny how like 20 years later we have a real aquaman movie that when they first announced it i was like oh man like is this like the entourage version of (laughs) (laughs) and it did go on to make a billion dollars a billion dollars like it was like preceding you know it was like oh okay this is not a joke cool so i thought that was kind of fun just not directed by James Cameron, but was directed by James, James Wan. Wan. Yeah, yeah. I guess at least they got the James right. Okay, you have a show to talk about that actually has a version of Aquaman. I do, because our listeners will know from listening to other episodes that I love Smallville. Hmm. It holds a special place in my heart. And Alan Richson was cast as Arthur Curry. This So the Aquaman of this team, they ended up developing a version of the Justice League in in the show Smallville. So Alan Richson, you might know him. He went on to play Hawk in the Titans show. Oh, so good. So good as Hawk. He is amazing. Hawk and Dove are the best parts of of Titans, Yeah. period. I love them. He was great. Uh, And you might also know Richson because he is the new Jack Reacher in the Amazon Prime series, Reacher, which I hear is phenomenal which I, I definitely want to check out. I haven't seen it, the but str- he was also in uh, Fast X. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a, a, a character in that as well. So he's part of the Fast and the Furious. Right. Uh, but yeah, Richson was a fantastic Aquaman, uh, really imposing presence. He's huge. The dude is massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he just played off of Tom Welling's uh, Clark Kent so well in the series. I I really loved his character, which is why it was so weird when WB wanted to move forward with an Aquaman series, but they didn't want it to be a spinoff. They wanted it to be its own thing. So they decided, oh, well, let's take the actor Justin Hartley, who played Green Arrow in Smallville, and make him Aquaman in this new show. <laughs> we'll shoot a pilot to confuse the crap out of watchers. But then the pilot got killed. The series got killed because at that exact time, WB was merging over with CW. And the person over at CW was like, I don't want any more of these superhero shows. And they killed the project. But then, of course, a few years later, they developed like 900 superhero shows. So that makes no sense. But there's a pilot. You can watch the pilot. They made a pilot movie, right? And aired it in Canada. Yeah. So you, you can find it. Yeah. It, it's still around it's it, when it when it dropped it like hit the top charts of like itunes because you could like mm-hmm. buy 
movies and shows through iTunes type of <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. And so it topped the charts when it dropped. So really, really interesting. But yeah, gotta love Smallville. And then of course, we have to mention Aquaman, the live action Aquaman, yeah. which dropped in 2018, as well as the upcoming Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom, which is the reason whole reason why we're even doing this episode, played by Jason Momoa as the titular character. Uh, I had a lot of fun with the first Aquaman movie. I It has a lot of problems in my eyes, but there's a lot of very cool things as well. Uh, namely, Black Manta. Black Manta's a beast. He's the best part and, of that movie. Uh, yeah. and, and we talked about Black Manta and how much we loved him in the Black Manta episode, which you should definitely listen to that episode um, of Comic Book Keepers. But so I, I think I feel like we should just talk about the Aquaman movie briefly. Um, I initially was kind of like Jason Momoa <laughs> when, <laughs> when when I heard about this casting. And OK, aside from that, it's a fun movie. It's a very popcorn movie. James Wan did a lot of the Fast and the Furious movies, and it feels like Fast and the Furious with Aquaman. I mean, it just feels underwater. like very underwater, like big spectacle, boom, boom, explosion. You know, don't think too hard. It's just just go with it kind of thing. Like this is not a, you know, this is not a Silence of the Lambs kind of thinking man's movie. This is just like a ooh, big explosions, big sea creatures go boom, you know, like kind of movie. <laughs> and that's kind of what Jason Momoa plays him as, is this kind of uh, dude Aquaman version. It's not who I would have cast, but it's a version of Aquaman. And I'm I'm really curious if they ever do Aquaman again, if they're going to make him sort of like someone that actually looks like Aquaman from the comics with blonde hair. But but, you know, Momoa did a fun job. Like he had fun with the character. He really liked it. He he. Him, he made Aquaman somebody that was imposing and and huge and, uh, you know, yeah. like not to be messed with. Like you can't deny his presence, um, not just in Aquaman, but also in Justice League. He was kind of one of those characters that was like, really, you dress like a bat, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like calling things out. And, and that was an important type of character to have, I think, in that in that arrangement of characters, like somebody just lives like this. I don't, you know, I don't like this or uh, I'm calling you out or whatever. Like, like it was, uh, it, I think it was an interesting casting and, uh, but yeah, the, the movie is really fun. Like you said, not perfect. There were some bad things. What, what's your, what's your take on the Aquaman? So movie? I, I really like, I really like Momoa's Aquaman. I have a lot of fun with it. Black Manta was great. I could care less. Like I like, the actor that plays Joe's Ocean Master. Patrick Wilson. I could not stand his line delivery. He yeah. was so over the top. Uh, like everyone talked about the the comic accurate suit for Ocean Master. I hated his helmet. It, <laughs> it was just way too shiny. Uh, the CGI underwater did not look great a lot of the time. But it, it, it is a fun film. Like I didn't go to that movie thinking it was going to be this high, like you mentioned, like this high level movie. It's just a popcorn movie and it did its job. And it looks like the next one also is going to be a fun popcorn movie. Hopefully I don't hate ocean master as much in this one. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I am excited for the next one. I, and it's also the end of the DCEU and we're going to see some stuff moving forward. And rumors are Jason Momoa is going to be playing Lobo 
in James Gunn's moving forward, which I, and I, I do Jason like Jason Momoa is the perfect cast yeah. for Lobo. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how things go with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, Momoa's Aquaman had a little cameo at the end of the Flash movie, which didn't make any sense. The worst... That was a horrible cameo. That was the worst post-credit scene. Yeah, that was ever. like, huh? You know, <laughs> didn't make any that sense. That was just bad. And and but he also was in a little cameo at the end of the Peacemaker show, which was better. Like, because which cause is so much better. It's hilarious. It, it was very funny, and you could tell he was just having fun with that. So we'll see um, uh, that. And then the the last little adaptation shout out is there is a Max cartoon called aquaman king of atlantis and it's very silly and it's very goofy and it's there's only three episodes but if you have max um you can watch that it's 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 almost like adventure timey kind of look um and they they clearly just kind of had fun with it and um uh it's just a completely different take on on aquaman but i was like oh that's interesting that you chose that like to do something silly like you chose aquaman to, to adapt but um, I like that they, you know, that they're having fun with these characters and animation. But of course, he makes a lot of appearances in like a lot of the um, DC animated movies. There is a DC animated movie of Throne of Atlantis, which was OK. It's not great, you know, but it, but he makes a lot of appearances in other other of those movies. But you know, just nothing remarkable, I don't think. Well, we've talked a lot about Aquaman. I think it's time we go to our strangest segment. What Each issue we do what nerds do best, we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. In this episode, we decided to ask, what if Aquaman had an additional superpower? Because, you know, Aquaman has had a plethora of powers, but we, were, we want to throw another one on there. Something, something real interesting. So, Chris, would you like to go first or second with this one? I will go first. So my <laughs> my power that I gave him, I wanted to do something that was visually kind of something that would, as an artist, fun to draw. So I was like, what can we do that doesn't make a lot of sense that that would be kind of interesting conceptually? But, you know, one of the things you just have to kind of accept. And so I'm going to call this Hydromech Armor, which is Lovely. changing the density of the water around him. He can create this sort of hydro water kinetic suit of armor and even in the form of an extended giant creature like a kaiju so he's sort of inside of this big water armor and even like take it on land like uh, you can of course have this water kaiju mech in the water and and you know it's like this big padding of of being able to you know, fight bigger monsters and stuff, but also like being able to walk on land as this giant like water kaiju and like just swinging stuff like when there's a big beast. So you don't get to see it very often, but like water mech armor um, takes a lot out of him. Obviously, it, it, there is a cost, but like if he has to pull this out, like he can just, you know, to take a bunch of water and bam. But if if you punch or, you know, he makes a sword or something like that, and if it, if the water gets knocked off, he can't reform it. Like you have to have water to make something. So like if they cut off parts or whatever, like he has to be very careful about how he, so he often, I'm thinking like he would often like start really thick, like big massive trunks because eventually it's going to get skinnier and skinnier as the fight goes on. 
So that's well, that's what con- I'm calling conceptually. It. Conceptually, that's a great way of showing like you're in a battle against a big monster and you keep losing water as they swat it away mm-hmm. and then you just get smaller and smaller and smaller so it feels like it's this really dangerous situation yeah or in another situation where if a villain has captured him keeps him away from water and then you have the heroes just like come and just drop a bunch of water on him he looks up and then yeah. just like starts to turn into this bigger. kaiju yeah like that's so cool or, i love that that's but amazing. i also i was also thinking like pacific rim like so maybe at some point after it's introduced, like there would be something where, you know, Jackson or Garth could come in and they're sort of sitting, they're like in this, yes. this thing together and they split off and there's two of them and then they come together and it's like, blah, you know, so like, I, I just want to draw this stuff. <laughs> I think oh yeah. That's amazing. Really what yeah, do you have? I'm down. So I like the idea of a version of scrying. So like oceanic scrying. Mm. Now this is going to be able to have Aquaman be able to perceive the sensory information from the perspective of any aquatic life that he chooses. So this is like, if he needs to do like a recon mission, he can send in the tiniest little fish or he can send in an octopus (laughs) and be able to see everything that's really going on. And I want this ability to evolve over time. So rather than just scrying, I eventually want him to be able to warg into these oceanic creatures. So being able to enter the mind of a gigantic, of of a a giant squid or, or like the Kraken type of thing and be able to control it. So rather than it just being instructions to see life, to do a certain task, he is in the body he is able to perceive their body as if it's his own and i think that would also lead to some really interesting uh understandings of ocean life and what it what it means to be a be a human or an atlantean Mm -hmm. but then in, in this like humanoid body but then how how do you feel after having tentacles and being able to control them like does it does it make only having two arms more difficult to live after that yeah. sensation and so it, he comes it can back in his like, human body and he just starts waving his, <laughs> just, <laughs> like what are you doing i'm just, just give me a minute I, oh, okay i'm fine acclimating <laughs> so I, I think that would be a, a fun one though so scrying then to warging and then being able to just jump into the body of any aquatic life would be really fun you and i are both D players it reminds me a lot of being a druid you know like first having maybe find familiar you know, being able to see through an animal, but then eventually kind of leveling up to like, I'm a giant octopus, like turning your body right. into that. Uh, and I almost went with that. I almost went like, what if he can just become a thing? But, but I like the idea of him, of him like using, you know, like having a good relationship with the animals. He has to sort of consent, you know, <laughs> they have to be like, is it okay right. if we, if we have this relationship where I can be you? for a bit and there's has there has to be this kind of symbiotic like hey it's it's cool like i'm gonna i'm gonna hook you up later like i'll give you a bunch of fish you can eat or whatever but i like that idea of like being able to take over stuff and like or even like multiple things like what he's a he's a school right. of fish and he is just in the consciousness of this this you know you know pack of dolphins or whatever like i think that'd be awesome yeah i'm down i like them both <laughs> justice league they're they're in an underwater mission and they just look over at this shark and they're like arthur you good and he's just like ah <laughs> <laughs> that's that's aquaman <laughs> uh not to be trifled with arthur curry very powerful 
Um, wow. So, so much love for Aquaman. And I think we both have gained a new respect for for Aquaman that, that we didn't have before. I mean, we had already respect for him anyway, knowing how powerful he was. But now just so much more and such a rich history. And I'm looking forward to this new movie and, and uh, more stories that just uh, expand on on this amazing character as well. So hopefully you will get a chance to check out some of the comics that we've mentioned and uh we'll we'll continue talking about aquaman as as his stories come up so it's time to close the book on aquaman arthur curry until next time this is chris and this is lance reminding you to keep your friends close but your comic books closer You know what's bad, though? Can't read comics underwater. This is true.